0: Last Thursday, uh, we, we did a Bible study on the parables and I asked some people to request uh, what parables you would like us to discuss. And I missed one because of time constraints. Um, let's open from Matthew 22 verses 1 to 14 and let's just you know, uh, read about this together, discuss. I may throw in some questions and feel free to answer as well. Matthew 22 verses 1 to 14. So once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, and this is the parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out his slaves to summon those invited to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent out other slaves and said, tell those who are invited, look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went away, onto one to his own farm, another to his business, and the others seized his slaves, treated them outrageously, and killed them. The king was enraged, so he sent out his troops, destroying those murderers, and burned down their city. Then he told his slaves, the banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go to where the roads exit the city and invite everyone you find to the banquet. So those slaves went out on the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. It's supposed to be a a nice ending there, but there's a continuation. There's a bit of a twist. There's always a twist sometimes with Jesus' story, not always, often. But when the king came in to view the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. So he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Let's read from the beginning uh, and we will go through it slowly this time. So, Jesus told a parable about a a wedding banquet. The kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet, it's like a feast. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. The kingdom of God is uh, described as a feast, and Jesus is not talking about a future kingdom that will come just later, that doesn't apply now here. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about something that is present here, although this something will have its fulfillment delivered later but it's already here at least uh, partially at least uh, in a certain stage so Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God now here the kingdom of God living in a relationship with God under God's authority is like attending a wedding banquet does it feel like that sometimes we think about Christianity and it feels like you know it's too rigid it's too uh, horrible it's not fun christianity is the opposite of fun like when you do your english language what's the opposite of good evil what's the opposite of uh dark bright what's the opposite of fun christians something like that did i tell you I, i watched a documentary uh once about uh denmark and it's considered one of the happiest countries in the world and the guy was interviewed by uh The interviewer in the documentary, and he said, "Why is your society so happy? What happened?" And and the person said, "We were not always happy people. Back then, we were not so happy, but now we're happy." And and he asked, "Why? Why is that? Christianity. We we set ourselves free from religion. Denmark was quite a Christian country uh, back then, and they said since we had this cultural revolution, we." We let ourselves loose from all those rigid Christian rules. We become a happy country. And that's uh, when we misunderstand Christianity. How can Christianity be the opposite of fun when fun is created by people and people are created by God? So God knows the definition of fun. He, he creates fun. He's, he's the source of fun and joy. In the Bible, many times he talks about joy and, and fulfillment and peace and, and fun and laughter. So the kingdom of God is, is like a feast, you know? Uh, and unfortunately, we, d- we don't sell it well. We look at Christians, they, it, their face don't don't look like they're attending a feast, but more a funeral. And sometimes Christians are so grumpy, grumpy Christians. Well, we, we better start to change our act. You know, it, it's, it's a wedding feast. And then um, sometimes when Jesus gives a parable, it's quite shocking that when people listen, they, they would think, oh, this is definitely fiction. This is definitely fiction. Because ah, it's impossible that people would respond this way. Because in the, in the story, it's the same. He sent out his slaves, his servants, basically his employees, his god, whatever they are, to summon those invited to the banquet. Now remember, they're already invited, so they know that the banquet is happening. So they have received the notice, the RSVP. I just attended a wedding. Hello, Icha. They got the RSVP. They know. They know the date. They they have to the save the dates and everything. And this is a, a second notice reminder. Hey, you, you know that you're invited. It's happening. It's ready. Now come. Come for the wedding banquet of the prince. But they said, um, no, they don't want to come. Why, why don't they want to come? In the next verse, uh, they give different reasons. I have business to attend to. I have my farm and this and that. And up to here, people were gasping. Why would you not come to the royal banquet? Imagine imagine this. You you you're a citizen of the United Kingdom, you live in London and you've been invited by Queen Elizabeth to attend the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I I know it's not so hard for some of you to imagine. For example, Lisa, I know she secretly wishes that in the new creation uh, her allocated property will be in London. Um Imagine that, you, you're a Londoner and you're invited by the Queen to attend uh, Prince Harry's wedding. What would you say? What would you do? You wouldn't believe it. Oh my goodness, who am I? I'm invited to the royal wedding, right? This is such an honor, this is such a privilege. And, and probably the Chinese will start to worry, oh no, the how ang much? how much? <laughs> but no, don't worry about that. Imagine that's outside the problem. It is such an honor, such a privilege. Would you say to the Queen, oh Mrs. Queen, I'm so sorry, Uh, I only have uh, two days in my leave. I'm going uh, on an outing to Geelong or whatever the Geelong counterpart of London is. Would you say that? Or would you say, oh, Mrs. Queen, I think I would like to say at home, I want to finish my Netflix series, right? It doesn't make sense. There is no excuse. There is no good enough reason. Like you have anything better to do than attending the royal wedding, right? It is such a privilege. So up to this point in the story, people write, like, ah, these are weird people. Why would they refuse the invitation of the king? Why would they refuse the invitation of the king? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But sense has, has a different definition to people. Out there, outside the kingdom of God, people look at Christianity and they think it doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. Why, why would you become a Christian? Why would you follow Jesus? But for us now, here... On this side of the story, we look back and it makes sense. You know, Many things in Christianity make sense only after you obey and you follow them. And we think in a, in a humanity tainted with sin, entangled in problem of sin, there's a good God who offers salvation. It makes sense to say yes to that. Why would you not accept the invitation? But of course, out there people ask uh, the opposite. Why would you become a Christian? But now you say, well, why would you not? Now that we have a Savior who's kind enough to sacrifice himself and offer himself to us, why would you refuse this gift to the royal banquet? There are so many different excuses that we we can put up, you know. But as when the Holy Spirit convicts us of our need, of the problem that we have, we live in sin, we need a Savior, then we, we stop asking questions and we humbly receive the gift from God. It is an invitation too good to miss. And that's the feeling when people listen to this. story. It's an invitation too good to miss. You you would just say yes. It's such a privilege. But people apparently didn't say yes. And this king is such a good king, such a kind hearted king. Not only he was not offended by the first rejection, he still sent another staff to remind them again, Hey, you come, this king really reats them to come, come, uh, I have prepared my dinner, you know the the beef and the chicken and and the duck have been uh, slaughtered, something like that. I have prepared my dinner just just come, but then what did they say? They paid no attention and went away, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the other seized his slaves, treated them outrageously, and killed them. Jesus told this parable historically. About Israel, when we read the Old Testament, this is basically a summary of what's happening in God's relationship with Israel. Throughout generations, periods of judges, kings, prophets, God continuously sent His servants, many people throughout the generations, to come to Israel, to Judah, to remind them about their relationship with God. But they keep living in rebellion towards God. Not only they rejected God's message, often they killed the prophets as well. So this is a harsh rebuke for Jewish people. But it also captures well what happens this side of the Testament. We live in the New Testament era now. And in the same way when the gospel is preached, in the same way when the good news, the invitation of the king is extended, people respond like that. Some of them ignore and some of them even kill the messengers. Right. And remember, this is a good king. The king didn't just give a um, you know, half-hearted invitation. You're invited, this is an open invitation. If you want to come, you come. If you don't want to come, it's also okay. Take it or leave it. No, the king actually really wanted people to come. After the first batch of people were rejected, he sent another servant to remind them. And this is all great God and His mercy. He doesn't just open an invitation. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be a Christian? Okay, lah, you can come. No, he is actually God who sent his Holy Spirit to entreat us, to really find and seek us to speak into our heart and mind and knocking on the door. He's, he's a God who's offering the gift of salvation generously, kind-heartedly. And still, this merciful king who is giving this invitation that is too good to be rejected, people reject them. People ignore or they acted violently, which kind of summarizes uh, people's... Response when we preach the gospel, either they ignore or they could be very violent. They against it. There, they debate against it, or even physically becoming violent. And in in both ways, basically they they reject the authority of the king. They refuse to honor the invitation, which means that they disrespect, they dishonor the king. If you invite someone and your invitation rejected, you you wouldn't feel good about it, right? So, again, Icha, you she just got married. If you send your wedding invitation to people, to me, and I said, Icha, I'm so sorry, on that day, I cannot come to your wedding because I want to. I'm, I'm start looking for excuses. Uh, what can I say to Icha? I, I actually don't want to come. Oh, yes, because I want to do weddings. Hmm. She would be offended. Oh, because I would rather do wedding than going to my wedding, right? Or say, oh I cannot come to your wedding Because I want to go to Aldi shopping So She would be really sad And this is the king With an invitation too good To be true And people wouldn't, you know Oh no, I've been invited Oh yes, I've been invited to To the wedding of the prince and the princess I would definitely come But still people refused the invitation And Jesus was saying this Up to this point uh, To talk about the Jewish people this is a harsh rebuke for the Israelites and and they got it they're quite offended many times in the bible Jesus was quite offensive to the Jewish people uh, back then because they 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 rejected the good news but God loves them of course um let's read on so The king was enraged, so he sent out his troops, destroyed these murderers, and burned down their city. Then he told his slaves, the banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Why were they not worthy? They were actually worthy. That's why they were invited. But now the status has changed. They are no longer worthy because they have disrespected the grace of God. They have trampled on the grace of God and was it not worthy. So now the invitation is open. Therefore, go to where the roads exit the city. This is the the main roads surrounding the the big city. And we're talking about people who live in the in the at the fringe of the city. They're they're not really the the main uh, citizen of the city. People who shouldn't be worthy to be invited into the weddings. And we even. Uh, read here, everyone they could find—good people, bad people—they're all invited. Now the wedding banquet is filled with guests, and this also tells about the development of God's plan to save humankind. After uh, the offer was rejected oftentimes by by the Israelites, by the Jewish people throughout history, now in the New Testament, God says it's open for everyone. It's open for everyone. It wasn't exclusive in a sense because even to the Israelites, God always wanted to save mankind, all of the world. Now, the direct access is given. It's open. And Jews and Gentiles, Paul often talks about it in his letters. It's open for everyone. Not, it's not about your descendants. It's not about your social class. It's open for everyone. The gospel is open for everyone. Salvation from God is open. Not only for the Jews, but for the Indonesian, for the Chinese, for the Indians, for the Africans, all of us. We are invited into the kingdom of God. And this is uh, another point that I would like to make. I read many points. Firstly, the kingdom of God is a feast. It it should be a joyful celebration. And then secondly, it is an honor, it is a privilege to be invited by God. And thirdly, this in, this God, this merciful God, doesn't just send a half-hearted invitation, but wholeheartedly he seeks to invite us to come in. And still, humanity rejects him. Some ignore. Some became violent and totally antagonistic about it. But those who receive the invitation, they come in and they enjoy the feast. right? And like I said, this should be a a good ending here. But, oh, not really. There's a, a little twist in the plot. But when the king came... To view, came in to view the guests. He saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. Right. Now imagine again, I went to the wedding, yeah. I finally said to each other, okay lah, I'll do my Aldi shopping next time, okay? I'll do my reading next time, I'll go to your wedding. In fact, I'm willing to be the translator. <laughs> and, as, and as I came to the wedding, I came there wearing shorts and slippers and singlet and my uh, golden necklace yeah. <laughs> and my uh, waist purse and my camera no, that's a tourist in victoria market <laughs> um, so i came in like that and each i would be shocked oh Colonel, what what is he doing because i'm expected to respect the host to respect the occasion by showing it from how i dress right if i come to an occasion like that Even if I come preaching like that, you won't be happy. You would be disturbed, right? And this person, he's the contrast of everyone. All the guests, they're wearing nice clothes, and he's not wearing a dress proper for a wedding. And so the king was quite enraged, and this is what he said. Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. So he had no good excuse why he and he couldn't say, oh, because I couldn't afford one. or He, he was just being disrespectful. I'm, yeah, I, I'm just going to show up as I am. I am who I am. <laughs> no, it's nice not. Then the king told the attendants, tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the out of darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Before, those rejected the invitation. The king said, uh, kill them, burn the city and, and all that. Here, the punishment is even more severe, is even more personal. It's almost like it was bad enough to reject the invitation. It's even worse to come in without a proper attire. What is the uh, the implication for us here? What does it mean not to wear the right dress to come to this banquet? What does it mean to enter the kingdom of God not wearing the proper attire? Those of us who receive the invitation of the king, we come in, and now the question is, how do we dress? What is it that we are wearing? And this is a question for, not for those outside, right? Those outside the kingdom of God, those outside the wedding banquet, those without relationship with Jesus. The Bible doesn't care what sort of dress they're wearing. But the dress code applies as soon as you get inside. Right. I was preaching in the, I was teaching in the champion gathering yesterday. And I said, when we talk about holiness, when we talk about morality, when we talk about obeying God's laws, obeying God, because we, we talk about grace and mercy. We talk about salvation by faith. But Christianity never eliminates the element of work. A healthy faith will always be a faith that produces healthy works that will produce holiness and obedience. But we want to talk obedience, obedience, holiness, and morality once we are inside the kingdom, not outside. Our obedience is not the prerequisite for us to get in. It only applies once we are in. It's, it's a measurement of a healthy faith. Right? We obey God not so that we are worthy to be invited in, but because we are already in. Now we obey the principles inside, right? If I were to adopt someone, before that person legally becomes part of the Yap family, whatever they do is not really my concern. But as soon as that person becomes my child, then they have to follow the Yap household rules. Right? You cannot go home after 11.15, you have to go to school, you have to eat your vegetables, you cannot steal, you cannot kill. Right. You cannot uh, steal my car and, and all that. You have to go to church with me every Sunday. Because you're part of the family now. And obeying the rules doesn't make him part of the family. It is because he's already part of the family now. He has to live according to the, the dress code of the wedding banquet. And it applies. But what what is it? What is it? How do we get this wrong? Uh, how to not wear the proper attire in the kingdom of God. Firstly, I want to read from Romans 13, verses 11 to 13. What are the wrong dresses we could talk about here? Besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus. Um, People who do biblical theology, usually what what, uh, they do is they pick up a word or a theme and they then... Face the development throughout the Bible. See what the meaning has become. See how it evolves. See how it is treated. See how it changes. And you can do this. It's quite fun. If you're a little bit nerdy, for example. Pick up a a word. For example, um, say sacrifice. Read from Genesis to Revelation. And pay attention whenever the word sacrifice appears. How is it treated? To whom does it apply? Who does it? What does it mean? What's the scope? And you will see a, a development. Uh, pick any word. Uh, probably not any word. If you pick the word yes, probably yes always means the same. Throughout the Bible. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was doing a research on clothing. The theme of clothing appears in the Bible, and there is a development. In Genesis chapter 3, the first clothing appears God covered Adam. With with a piece of cloth, when when he expelled Adam from the Garden of Eden, and you follow uh throughout, uh, the the times of Moses when God said build the tabernacle, and this is how, the pre the priests should dress. Clothing is is a serious business. It has something. It's not just about to to cover you. Uh, there is a biblical theme throughout the Bible, and and it's it's a symbol of something. So getting dressed the right way is is a theme that you would. Phrased back and forth in the bible so i'm going to romans now and it says put on jesus christ what does it mean to put to put on jesus christ that is to put on the righteousness of jesus but in opposed to what in opposed to living in sinful actions how do we miss the proper dress code in the kingdom of god by living in impurity by living in sin by living in unholiness i know it is a process and like i said we don't want to treat Christianity as as a legal exercise. But this is a lifestyle. We still fall into sin, yes. We still make mistakes, yes. But now there is a desire towards holiness in us. Because we know this is no longer my my clothing. Clothing describes something that you are comfortable in, right? You you're not going to wear uh you know when you buy rice, you you're not going to wear the sack. It's 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 itchy, it's it's not comfortable. You want to buy a cotton or silk or polyester at worst, but at least something that you're comfortable of wearing. Now, we don't wear sin anymore. What does it mean? It means we may fall into sinful actions, yes, but we're not comfortable anymore to wear them. As soon as we do them, we come to God in repentance because now our cloth is Jesus Christ. This is my cloth. This is what I'm wearing. If I walk, out there and uh, there's a bird poop. I'm not going to oh look at that ornament and then go around still eat meet discipleship teach foundation class I'm going to wash it because this is this is not this is no longer my clothing I have put on new clothes in Jesus worthy of the wedding banquet right that's the first thing how do we put on the proper dress in the kingdom of God the dress of holiness Dress of purity, not impunity, not sinful actions. Yes, we fall into sin, we, we make mistakes, but we clean ourselves. We come to God in repentance. We, we admit our mistakes and our relationship, our harmony with God, which is always there. It's never gone. Whenever we fall into sin, we don't lose our salvation because of that. It disturbs our relationship with God in, in terms of our harmony and, and how we feel guilty about it. But our status as children of God is secure. And that's even why we can always come to Him in repentance. Because we have security, we have guarantee that the answer is always yes. You're always welcome. But that's the lifestyle, holiness. We, we don't live outside the law. Paul said, we don't live outside the law, but it doesn't mean that your, law, your life would be lawless. You know, Your life would just be, you, are, you do whatever you want. It's okay, you're already saved anyway. That's not, that's not faith. That's not our saving faith. But what is even worse than putting on the clothes of impurity? And I think that is putting on the clothes of our own righteousness. Let's read Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Philippians 3 and 9. And he found and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law. This is what Paul said. But one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Surprisingly, when we ask people who call themselves Christians, they would come up with different answers than this. I teach foundation class, and not only that, I always it's usually me who check the the exam results, right? And I even told this last time. If there's a question that you don't want to get wrong, and I'm giving you the answer key now. You can even record this. There's a qu- there will be a question: How do you know that you're safe? This is a question that you don't want to get from right. Whenever I I see the question and people start to write, I am safe because I go to church, prayer meeting. That I, I suddenly I just lost my conscience. Like oh. <laughs> <laughs> all those ten weeks, right? Langsung lemas. I am safe because. I'm involved in ministry or something like that. Oh no! Oh no! I must repeat the class. Who taught this? Who taught the session class number one and two? Okay, you can you can miss other questions, but promise me not to miss that one, okay? And I could even tell you the the correct answer. That is the basic of Christian faith. How do you know that you're safe? If your answer is about you know I am safe because I obey the I read the Bible I pray I. I joined the new, the Old Testament reading on time. Yeah, even Co-Cornell is a bit late. I know, I confess. Uh, it's because of Priska, not really. No, Priska is like, no, we're waiting for everyone, including me. I, I go to the New Testament. was oh, complete, right? I do the Old Testament reading plan. I go to the New Testament Bible class. I almost invent my own testament. I'm so Christian. Oh, so heretics now. How do you know that you're saved? Of course if I'm not saying who else? Twel meeting come, come. If our answer is about that, and surprisingly we, we laugh when we ask people uh what's what's what is faith and how do you know that you're in faith? Oh you know, I, I go to church, I, I do good things, I don't harm people. And these are people who who think that they're in, but they're still wearing the clothes of their own righteousness. They rely on their own effort in the kingdom of God. And God is displeased with that. It's, it's bad enough staying outside. It's bad wearing clothes of impurity and unholiness. I think it's even worse when we try to get in and please God with our own righteousness. We, we really need to, to grasp the, the concept of God's grace. How do you know that you're saved? Because of Jesus. That's all. Because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done. It's not about me. Can I invite the musician? That's almost close. So, what's the the parable about? It's about the invitation. It is an invitation too good to be true. People out there, many of them, will reject the invitation. And you know, when when you preach the gospel, expect the same result. Jesus said, "If so, they have treated the prophets before. They they, they will also treat you. They will reject you. They will ignore. They will persecute you." The, the invitation of of the kingdom of God many people will, will reject although God has been kind enough merciful and in, in treating people please come it's it's ready you don't have to do anything You know, you know sometimes when you're invited come to barbecue at my place at 7 but please come at 5 help me cut vegetables the wedding banquet the king said please just come and enjoy it's ready you don't have to do anything it's ready such a merciful king and even rejected it's okay the second time come please come it's, it's good for you. And it describes how people respond to the gospel, right? They question, they argue, they debate instead of just humbly receiving this. But then again, those who come, there will be people who misunderstood the invitation or who purposely disrespect the invitation. They come, they're wearing, they're wearing the wrong dress. Instead of honoring the surrounding, honoring the occasion. They're not dressed properly, still wearing their own filthy clothes of impurity, of unholiness, of sinful habits that they choose consciously to hold. But now, we are invited to let go of all that and come into the kingdom of God wearing the proper attire. Can I invite all of us to stand? And the proper attire is also not talking about uh, good actions with our own strength so that we could please God. It's not about relying on my own righteousness. It's about relying on Jesus Christ. Putting on Jesus Christ. His righteousness and not my own. His righteousness and not my own. Please remind ourselves of that. I am secure because of His righteousness and not my own. Don't Treat Christianity as you would a religion. A religion would be, do this, follow this, obey this, and then, if you're good enough, you're inside. Christianity, the invitation of the gospel is, receive the finished work of Jesus. The banquet is ready. Just come. You would have to honor it with with your best attitude, but just come. The righteousness is given by God, not by us. It's not about being good enough it's not about doing this being spiritual in this way in that way that will come later as we start to understand grace and receive the finished work of Jesus so I would like to end this with two questions firstly for those of you if, if there's any of you here who thinks that you know I haven't said yes to that invitation from the king. This is probably the 15th, 14th, 16th time God is entreating you. Hey, say yes. Come inside. The banquet is ready. Come and receive joy from me. Be in a relationship with me. And for the of us who are already in, let us come to God in reflection what am I wearing? What am I wearing inside? What is my dress in this wedding banquet? Am I wearing still my old sinful lifestyle? Am I still relying, or the other way around? I'm still, re- I'm, I'm doing it good. Well, I'm, I'm living a holy life, but I'm relying on my own strength. I'm approaching this religion to be good enough, and everything is about my performance rather than surrendering to God. And letting him and his righteousness set me free from all the burden of fear. What is the the clothes that we are wearing in this banquet? You don't want to wear the, the, the wrong clothes. Because those who reject the invitation share the same faith as those who accept it but wear the wrong clothes. They all in the end miss the wedding banquet. And we don't want to miss it. So we want to make sure that we are wearing the right clothes. And that is the righteousness of Jesus. If your Christian faith so far has only been about you know obeying God, following the laws, without really allowing the grace of God as the guarantee. You wanna to come to the feet of Jesus, come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need you and your righteousness and not my own.